Welcome to The Ganjeevan Show with your hosts, Rick Payway and Tracy Clark. Grab your favorite beverage, kick back, put your feet up, and have a listen. Welcome to the 10th episode of The Ganjeevan Show. I'm your host, Rick Payway. And I'm your co-host, Tracy Clark. We have our wonderful crew, Greg Henderson, Liam Lafferty, and Tyler Donaldson with us today, and we're going to be talking about all sorts of things, Jeep, Jeep-related, events, some tech, and really a couple of cool things. Tracy? Yeah, and we've got a special guest here with us today. We have Jerry Huber with the Toledo Jeep Fest, and I'm so excited that the fourth annual Toledo Jeep Fest is going forward. It's one of my favorite events. Jerry, thank you for joining us, and, and we look forward to uh, hearing all about the fourth annual Toledo Jeep Fest and the 80th anniversary of Jeep in the birthplace of Jeep. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ex- as excited as you are, Tracy. Uh, last year was a tough time for the Jeep community, and uh, we're really looking forward to uh, you know doing it again this year. And as you said, we've got the 80th anniversary to celebrate, so lots of good things happening. Toledo Jeep Fest is back. Join us August 6th through the 8th for the 4th Toledo Jeep Fest in downtown Toledo, Ohio. Kick off the weekend Friday at Monroe Superstore for the welcome party. Start the fun Saturday with the all Jeep parade, all Jeep indoor exhibit, and park and shine Jeep show. Check out our vendor midway, live entertainment, food, family zone, and so much more. There's fun for the whole family during Toledo Jeep Fest. For more information, visit ToledoJeepFest.com. For the readers that don't know why Toledo is kind of recognized as the birthplace of the Jeep, why don't you give, a, give, a, give our viewers a little bit of a clue how that came about. I mean, Toledo, Ohio is just a, a speck when you look at the giant manufacturing capability of America. Yet, over 250,000 Jeeps came out of there in World War II. Yeah, Rick, the, uh, I think the affiliation with Jeep and Toledo you know, obviously runs back to the to the military jeep during for, for World War II, and you know a lot of folks know the story about the you know the Bantam jeeps, and I guess they've got their big weekend going on in Butler this weekend. Uh, they know about the, uh, the the competition with the quartermaster general and so forth uh, with uh, Willys uh, John North Willys uh, the Willys Corporation and with Ford Motor Company. So the three of them really kind of. Uh, you know, working uh, in competition, but in some cases working together uh, to decide who was going to who was going to get this contract. Well, so long story short, the contract gets let. Bantam doesn't have the capability capacity to make the vehicles that are in demand, so it gets split production wise between Ford and and uh, and Willys. And you know, the Willys versions were all produced here in Toledo. Uh, in fact, at the old factory where I worked for almost 20 years, uh, which is now torn down. But, you know, the real key, I think, for, uh, you know, once you get past that history portion and there's all kinds of debates about, you know, who did what and so forth. But uh, I think the important thing for us here in Toledo is that when the war was over, Willys had the foresight to see this is an interesting vehicle. It's got a future. So, you know, they very quickly converted some of the production capability and redesigned to produce the civilian Jeep in 1945, 1946. And that's what really kicked it off. And the, a lot of those folks, uh, believe it or not, are, still have their roots here in Toledo. 
Yeah, I think you know, the other thing that you can't overlook when you talk about the history of it, and it's important to us at, uh, with this Toledo Jeep Fest because one of our title sponsors is the Dana Corporation. You know, and Dana sir, has got their axles under just about all of the Jeeps from 1941 on. Uh, so uh, they're a great partner for us and also part of that Toledo, you know, lineage of uh, of, of uh, the vehicle production and the loyalty to the Jeep products. That's right. And, and for those of you that don't know, Dana Spicer is located in Toledo, and they were the only ones capable of inventing and producing, mass producing those axles for the Bantam and for the Ford and for the Willys. And, of course, the transfer case. Now, eventually, Ford, of course, had, because of their huge production capacity, made their own, but it was all the designs based on the original Willys. And... 75 years later, after the civilian, first civilians rolled off the line, we're here at the Toledo Jeep Fest, which amazingly is only four years old. And you think, why didn't they do this a long time ago? Toledo is home. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. We decided in, uh, in, in, 19, uh, or in 2016, it was the 75th anniversary from, from 1941. So, you know, we, got, we talked to the union, we talked to some of the community leaders and there was a, de- a decision made, hey, we got to do something. And you're right. Big question is, why wasn't this done before? Can't answer that. But I can tell you that going forward, uh, I think that there's a good possibility that this thing will go on for a long time. We're celebrating the 80th this year. It's, uh, it's really exciting, not only because of the 80th year, but because of all the new products. They've got you know a world-class factory now here in Toledo, uh, where we operated in one of the oldest uh manufacturing facilities for some 70, 70 plus years. And uh, uh, with the new products that are coming out, we think there's a good future. Uh, we've got some competition coming and uh, with, with uh, the, the Bronco and so forth. Frankly, I think that's going to make us, uh, you know, make our product, uh, you know, uh, more interesting and better. Competition never hurt. And, uh, you know, if you go back in my history, I happen to be uh, – you know, in automotive manufacturing, I happened to work for Ford for about 15 years before I went to American Motors back in, in the early 80s. So uh, I have kind of a, a split feeling on some of that stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I really trust the, uh, the Jeep design people and the Jeep manufacturing process at this point to uh, continue to produce uh, world-class vehicles and set the standard. So how many years did you work for AMC, Jeep, Chrysler, whatever it was? Yeah, I ended up with uh, about 21 years with the, uh, you know, after I left Ford. So a total of 36 years in the automotive uh, operation, most of it in manufacturing. So uh, it was, uh, uh, you, you got to see a lot of changes. And by the same token, you saw some things that uh, just really haven't changed a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, that means you're the, you're the right person to uh, help put this on. Can you give us a... Our viewers have an idea of what happens. I mean, it's not a 10-day event. It's, what, three days? Basically, it's a three-day event. You know, our unique, and, and I, I give kudos to all of the, uh, all of the organizations and uh, communities and, and uh, uh, organizations in general that put on Jeep events because I think the Jeep community is, uh, is very appreciative of it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we reward the uh, you know, those, those organizations that help support the Jeep community. But what makes our, our you know, our, our event is clearly unique. And, uh, you know, and there's some pluses and minuses to that. I think uh, 
you know, one of the things as a, as a Jeeper and, you know, uh, I like to think myself somewhat as an avid off-roader, uh, we don't have any, any significant off-road element because it's done in a metropolitan area. It's done in downtown Toledo, uh, and that makes for some challenges, but it also creates some really unique opportunities because our event is, is for Jeepers, but it's also for the Toledo area. And we get, you know, in, in 2019, we did a little checking and we had over the course of the three days, and it's really a Friday night, Saturday, and then Sunday up till about two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon. We had almost 70,000 people here, but that's huge. And the thing is, you know, what do we have to offer because we don't have that off-road element? Well, we squeak a little bit of that in. We have a, a, a kickoff event on Friday afternoon. Uh, right up the road from us, one of our dealers has a, an 18 uh, obstacle off-road course that's on a couple of acres. We have a blast there. And as, any, as the people roll into town, we ask them to route by there. We'll have food trucks, a band, you know, uh, you know spend as much time on the off-road track. Some of our vendors will stop by there. And, uh, and then that shifts to downtown Toledo. And then Friday evening, we kick off our other uh, title sponsor, ProMedica who's the big healthcare provider in our area, provides a lot of the insurance and so forth for the Jeep plant and, uh, and the people in the community. Uh, they have a concert series that they kick off Friday night. And it's usually a, it's usually a, you know, a national name group that comes in. This year, I think we've got Josh Turner and uh, uh, Loretta uh, Lorraine that are coming in. And uh, uh, that, that'll kind of you know, conclude the Friday evening stuff and it gets everybody downtown. And when I say downtown, we close all of the, you know, the major streets. We even get from, you know, we get approval with the city to close a couple of state routes that are the, happen to be the main street. If you're not familiar with Toledo, we border where the, the, the Maumee River runs right through the center of town. So we have our own little riverfront area. And uh, there's a big park there. Uh, that'll all be activated with activity. There's a, a, a TV screen that's probably... I don't know, Tracy saw it the other year. It's probably uh, 50 feet high and maybe 70 feet long. And there'll be uh, live, you know, live broadcasts from the, uh, uh, the car shows, from the parade uh, and so forth uh, over, over that. But uh, that, like I said, that kind of wraps up Friday night, gets everybody downtown, all the restaurants, you know, welcome everybody, a lot of specials and things to do. And then uh, uh, we kick off uh, Saturday morning with a parade that starts out at the zoo. We have a staging area out at the Toledo Zoo. And again, there'll be food trucks there. It's like a big tailgate party, frankly. Uh, some of the vendors will go and they'll set up out there. There's giveaways. Uh, you know, they don't have a, usually have a live band there, but we'll have a DJ or something like that. And I keep mentioning the, the bands and the concert stuff. Um, over the course of the two and a half days, we have booked like 32 hours of live music that's throughout the downtown area on, I think, five, four or five different stages that, we've, that we activate. And then while that's going on on, on, on Saturday morning, the vendor Midway uh, opens up. We have about, I, I would say, I'd say this year we're going to have around 100 vendors. Uh, now, the, the big guys that come in, you know, with the semis and so forth, like you see it. At, at Moab and that you see at some of the other, uh, you know, Jeep Beach and so forth, 
again, it's a challenge because you're doing this in the downtown in a metropolitan area. So the city streets are, are closed and um, uh, we put the semis there with the big awnings and, uh, uh, you know, there'll be a, a beer, beer garden and uh, there's just a lot going on. I mean, it's, it, it's really hard to explain. Uh, Tracy's been there. She's seen it. And it's, uh, uh, it's pretty wild. I mean, there's, there's more than you can do. We have, uh, again, because it's a family-oriented event, uh, we have uh, a kid's zone and then we have a family zone also. Uh, we're, we're lucky enough here in Toledo to have a, a, a minor league baseball team, the Toledo Mud Hens. And uh, last, when we did this event in uh, 2019, uh, they happened to be in town. So they had games Friday night, Saturday, and then they moved their, uh, their Sunday game day afternoon so that people in attendance could, uh, could participate. And they did special, special uniforms with the big tire tracks on it. And they called themselves, they changed the name of the team to the mud crawlers instead of the mud hens for that weekend. So it's really cool that everybody in the community jumps in and gets activated and participates in the thing. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, along with the, the vendor midway and so forth, uh, there's a, a very nice convention hall in the, in the, right in the downtown area, right off the, uh, it's about, you know, right on the other side of the street from where our vendor midway is. And, uh, we'll have a, 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 a Jeep display in there of historically significant vehicles. Uh, we are always lucky to have uh, good support from FCA or now Stellantis and they, uh, They've been gracious enough to deliver uh, each year. We usually get uh, at least three or four of the, uh, the Easter Jeep Safari vehicles, which are just of major interest to every Jeeper out there. And, uh, you know, uh, unless you get the Easter Jeep Safari, sometimes you'll get to see those. So uh, we have those available. And, uh, you know, Omics Auto, uh, Rugged Ridge, they bring some of the vehicles from their a, a Georgia Jeep collection outfit. Uh, we get uh, some special vehicles. They let us kind of go through and pick out what we want. We've got some uh, got some pretty significant uh, historical vehicles in the area. We've got a you know a forward control. Uh, uh, it's an F one fifty, I guess, F one seventy cab over fire truck that used to belong to the Owens Corning uh, Glassworks here in town. You know, so uh, you know, there's just a lot going on. And uh, like I say, there is something for everybody to do. Well, one of the things that we've, uh, we always try to, you know, spice it up a little bit. One of the things we noticed uh, at some of the other events, we find a lot of the guys or guys and gals are, uh, are, are, have taken these one-tenth scale rock crawlers, radio control rock crawlers, and uh, they've built those to look like their own vehicles. So uh, it's, it's pretty cool. And I was not into that uh, I'm like, uh, my, my interest has been along those of like Derek Redmond. I've been restoring these old Tonka trucks for, for about 25 years now. And uh, finally, I, I think the kids got me one of these rock crawler jobs. And uh, it's really interesting. I mean, we've already upgraded the, uh, the, the, the springs and, and the uh, shock absorbers. And you can use stainless steel drive shafts. And they've got an actual transfer case. And, you know, they run off a, a battery. But uh, – we're putting in a uh, an off road course in the Seagate Center, and uh, we think we 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 know we're going to have a lot of folks that are coming down. We've got uh, one of the big hobby shops is uh, is going to sponsor uh, that element of the uh, event, and uh, Traxxas, who makes a lot of uh, 
off-road cars is bringing a, 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 an outdoor, like a roundy round track for some of the high speed stuff. But uh, again, it's something for, it's something different for people to do, but you know, there's, it, it's really geared towards the Jeepers. I mean, that's uh, all of our events and so forth. I mean, we actually turn people away every year because we're, we're asking everybody that comes to be, you know, Jeep related or Jeep focused or offer something for the Jeepers, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I get a little upset sometimes when you go to a Jeep event and there's a guy selling uh, athletic socks and uh, and perfume there. That's not my deal. Yeah, get that at the mall. <laughs> yeah. Now, wait a minute. My athletic socks say Jeep, so. Well, then that, that's approved. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tracy, you did go there for, for, for one of the events. And what were your thoughts of it? You said you loved it. I, I loved it. There me coming from an off-road background and I love the off-road Jeep related events. I was a little bit skeptical on the plane ride there because I had just come off the Rubicon a couple of days before I was literally home like 48 hours or something. And then I'm flying out, but Toledo has always been on my bucket list because it is the birthplace of Willie's Overland and the Jeep and what is parked out in my driveway. So it was always a bucket list destination for me. I get there and I fell in love with this. I fell in love with the event. This whole area bleeds Jeep. I mean, you know, we talk about the Jeep wave and there's the two finger, the one finger, or, you know, depending on what you're driving, you might not get a wave at all. If you're running around and you don't have doors on or your top on, it's not a two finger. It's an out the door, full hand, up and down, happy to see you. If you've got seven slots, nine slots, it doesn't matter. This whole community bleeds Jeep. It's great to see. I, you know, I turn on the news in the morning to see what the weather was going to be like. And just because that's me. The news channels are, are all over Toledo Jeep Fest. And to walk through downtown, through these historical buildings, it, it's just amazing. And I love it. I, I'm a huge MASH fanatic. So, you know, my, my thing was Toledo, Tony Pacos, Toledo Mud Hens. I got to take it all in. And I, I will go back again and again and again and again because it's just a wonderful event. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds like it. And uh, it's centrally located, obviously. It's not like you have to go all the way to Florida. It's not, not like it's on the West Coast or East Coast. It is right in the center of America, and that means everybody can drive there. And that's one thing, Jerry. How many people are in the parade and, and, and how many people attend or Jeeps? How many Jeeps attend? Well, we'll have over we'll have over a thousand jeeps probably just in the parade. Uh, you know, it's it, any it, anything more than that gets kind of uh, uh, difficult to manage because one of the one of the the, the the cool things about this event is that when you once you're if you're in the parade when you come back in the parade you, when you get to the end of the parade route we park everybody in right inside the festival area. So it's not like you got to go to a lot or you got to go back to the motel and then come back to the event or whatever. I mean, you and everybody in your Jeep, you're already in the center of the event. So we get you parked. And uh, 
I can tell you that uh, the one year we had like 1,500 Jeeps to park, and it all happens. I mean, the parade, we try to keep it to around a little over an hour because it's televised. Last In, in 2019, uh, a couple of the, uh, the companies, I know one of the guys from, uh, from Omixada live-streamed it, and we had people from uh, you know, Romania calling up and saying, hey, how do we get to come to this event? Yeah. So you know, we're not sure what we're going to get in the way of attendance this year because, again, things are a little bit you know, strange still with travel, but we've already got people registered from 22 states, We've got one one fellow, one registration. The guy's coming from Mexico. Uh, normally, we have a club. There's a group out of uh, Chatham, Ontario, that comes down from Canada. They brought about 20, 20, 25 vehicles in 19. They have not registered yet, but we still are. The border is still not quite open between us and Canada yet. So I would expect that we're going to see more and more uh, activity here now that things are starting to open up. But uh, like I said, we've got uh, we've got some folks from out the, out your way. We've got some a couple from Arizona. We got a handful from Texas. And like you said, it's it's not like you got to go to. Uh, it's not like if you're in in, in California and you got to go to a Jeep Beach. It's it's still somewhat center of the United States. And uh, you know we've got some folks from you know Maine. We do have a couple from Florida to come up. But uh, you know I I think it's I mean we had tw- uh, 32 states represented in 2019. And obviously, you know, we want to improve upon that, but uh, given what we've got, you know, in the, uh, in, in the, the healthcare situation this year, we may not, we may not see that, but we're already seeing numbers uh, and, and response that uh, have exceeded what we, what we did in, uh, uh, in 2019 at, at the same given time. Well, that's the deal. You know, what you, what you have is something special. This is the 80th anniversary. Right. So, you know, that's another draw. Um, they did say something to the effect that the border is only open for important reasons, right? Well, I think that's an important reason that if, if we need to get a petition together and get some Jeeps across. But regardless, what are the dates? August 6th, 7th, and 8th. Again, that Friday night, you roll into town in the, in the afternoon, and uh, we'll keep you busy until sometime Sunday afternoon, get you back on the road if you're if you're heading home and if, if, if you, if you've got the time, uh, there's plenty to do here in Toledo. We've got the, uh, a museum of the great lakes. There's an actual lake freighter, a tugboat now that you can tour, that you can walk from our festival to that location. We've got a world-class art museum, uh, affiliated with the Libby glass company. And, uh, we've got a, a you know, a, a really good zoo. Uh, so, you know, uh, there's just a lot going on downtown. I mean, it, and, you know, uh, if, if you get to the event, uh, one of the things that you may have a little uh, a struggle with is there is so much to do and so much to see. It's tough in that given period of time. And again, all the restaurants in the downtown area run specials and uh, try, try to, you know, accommodate the people. Uh, you know, Tracy mentioned, and, and you mentioned also Tony Paco uh, the restaurants, you know, they they do a uh, they do a, a it's not their gift certificate but they do like a business card in the, in everybody's goodie bag that's good for one free hot dog and that's oh, a good draw awesome. because let me tell you nobody just buys one hot dog when you go to their place <laughs> <laughs> you betcha but, so what if, what if I come over what what if I drive there and I need to camp out is there a place to camp instead of a hotel yeah we've got uh, we've got some campgrounds in the area. 
there, there's uh, one uh, out at, the, there's a big state park that's uh, uh, probably about uh, 10 miles from downtown uh, that accommodates, uh, you, know, you know, a motor home or whatever, whatever you've got kind of rig. And then there's a couple of them right off of 75 uh, in the Monroe area before Detroit. So yeah, there's a, there's camping available. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, we, we had one of the hotels that was directly connected to the, uh, to the Seagate center is under new ownership and it's closed right now, but you could actually walk from there to the hotel, never go outside. I mean, it's a, it, it, it's connected to the convention center that's being redone and it will reopen, but there is another town. There is another, uh, hotel in the downtown area for somebody that's going to bring their Jeep and is going to have it on display or doesn't want to drive it around and so forth. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty Jeep friendly area. You know, if somebody comes and they got a, a trailer to park, we have a, a designated trailer parking area. That's like uh, one and a half blocks from the uh, convention center. Uh, some of the fellows uh, and, and gals will bring in a, a Jeep that they tow in. It's on display. And, uh, you know, they, they don't want to be, Hey, we're all kind of like that. We don't want to be too far away from our hardware. So, uh, you know, we have a secured uh, lot that uh, we keep there. Uh, overnight, we have, uh, you know, uh, security and so forth for oh, great. Uh, any of the vendors that are displaying in the downtown area. You know, I, you know, again, there's so many things that are unique about this event because it's in a downtown area. Uh, some of them are a challenge, but some of them are a real blessing, too. Well, that sounds pretty good. Here's a question. How do, how do people get a hold of you? How do they register? Okay. Probably the easiest way, and a lot of our registration might show that it's closed right now, but uh, uh, I would say there's, there's contact numbers there. It's real easy. You go onto, uh, onto the internet, and it's ToledoJeepFest.com, uh, and that will get you to it. It's uh, really not that difficult, right? <laughs> right? Uh, the, uh, the, the other thing is we've got, a web, we've got a Facebook page, and it's Toledo Jeep Fest. And uh, that'll bring you up. And we always are updating that. Uh, we'll we'll kind of give some highlights or kudos to some of our suppliers, our vendors, uh, sponsors, and so forth. Do some, uh, you know, profiles. We'll start now with, uh, you know, some uh, teasers on some of the folks that are going to be, uh, you know, uh, we have a speaker series on uh, in the convention hall on Saturday. We usually have a couple of folks that will give a presentation uh, we're we're trying to round out that dais right now, but uh, uh, we've got uh, Dan Fry that's going to from. Uh, oh yeah, you just, you probably have recently met Dan. He does a yeah. great presentation on the 4XE Wrangler and the electric concepts and so forth. And we'll I mean I know we're going to have uh, more than one of those there. So and then we've got a, one one of the fellows we just signed up the other day is a uh, 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 Dr. Dean Shirley. He's a uh, he runs an East Coast uh, Outfitters uh, operation. He's a uh, he's an overlander. He's written a couple of books and so forth. And uh, he was here in 2019, and he kind of split a present with Dan Greck, whom I, I know you you guys know. Dan. So, you know Dan. Yeah, I don't know if you saw his recent uh, Facebook page, but he's uh, he's in, he's just starting his next uh, uh, excursion. He's in quarantine in in uh, our, uh, Australia. <laughs> and he can't go out of the hotel for 14 days, so he's learning to play the didgeridoo. Oh, well, there you go. Something to, something to learn while in Australia. A final question for you. You said you're a Jeeper. What kind of Jeep do you have? Well, we've got um, – I've got a 1989 Islander. 
Uh, oh, Greg cool. would like that YJ that he just finished building here not too long ago. And, and uh, we picked this thing up in 1989. It's a, it was brand new. It's a, the Malibu yellow. Oh, it's cool. been, uh, been on about 15 or 16 of the Jeep Jamborees when I was working. I used to run that on the weekends. But uh, it's, uh, it's about as close to museum quality as you can find. It's got like 12,500 miles on it. And when we used to, when we would bring it back from a jamboree, when we would be up in the, in the main mountains or, or down in Cumberland, I would always take it back to the plant, put it on the hoist, and we would uh, repaint the. <laughs> so uh, it, it's in pretty good shape. And then there's a, uh, there, we're, we're just working on a, uh, uh, a 2006 LJ. Uh, we're building a stroker motor for it. It's uh, got uh, 531 gearing. And it's got JK axles underneath it, so it's it's a lot of fun to drive. And there's a uh, there's a J an XJ that's uh, got a lot of uh, Rubicon Express uh, suspension components and so forth. We've got a JK8 with a, uh, a wow. supercharger that was uh, put together with a couple of the guys from Jeep Engineering uh, out of uh, bits and pieces from uh, their uh, Egyptian Army project. So, and then there's a, there's a, a hot rod that's out there. That's uh, it's a 1944. It's actually a, a registered as a Ford, but it's a nine slot grill with a small block Chevy and two wheel drive. It's built like a, uh, an old dirt track car. It's got the uh, straight steering column. And when you're driving, there's no two footing going on because you, 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 the steering column is definitely between the gas pedal and the brake. So you're, uh, it's, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's right. There's a, there's a there's a 90 YJ with a small block Chevy in it that uh, is running a 40 inch. I think they're swampers on that one, and uh, that's the one that we pretty much do the rough rough wheeling with uh, when we get out. We like to go up to uh, we try to get up to the east end of Lake Superior, Batchewana Bay, with the the guys the the guys. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark Allen and some of the guys from the Jeep Underground used to go up there and, uh, you know, we kind of missed that trip with the, uh, with the borders being closed. But uh, mm -hmm. there's, you know, for the Midwest, uh, you know, it's, the wheel is different here, but it's uh, not like you guys have out there. Like we had the JK8 out to, uh, to Moab uh, uh, in 19, and it was, uh, it was a blast, you know. Well, that shows that. You definitely are a jeeper. You didn't start stop with one jeeper too, now did you? Well, I'm <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the wife says uh, no more. Now that we're doing these little one tenth scale things, uh, you know. But the only thing I can do is, like I said, Derek Redmond has inspired me to work on these old Tonkas, and uh, there's always uh, a couple of those in the shop you know, being worked on. Uh, I've got one more question for Jerry. Uh, any news on the Jeep Museum that you can share with us? Nothing that we can share. It's still, uh, you know, we're still, uh, you know, uh, working uh, to, to get this thing on, on, on back on the track. Uh, obviously, with the change in the in the uh, ownership of uh, of Chrysler and so forth, and then with the uh, the economic impact and some of the construction things that uh, went on last year go on. You know, we we've got to step back, but. Uh, I can tell you, there's a lot of enthusiasm and work uh, being done to, you know, try and get that, bring that to fruition. That would be epic. And Toledo is a great. That's the right place for it. You know, 
Uh, we've been building them here for 80 years. I think with that new factory, uh, there's no reason we can't continue to do that. And, uh, you know, we see, we see um, additional uh, investment from uh, FCA and Stellantis. They're talking about, uh, in fact, they're, uh, I think they're ready to break ground. They've uh, purchased some property next to the plant for uh, what they want to do as an update center. You guys have probably, there's nothing secret about that information. They've been talking about it. And, uh, you know, they want to do some upfit on not only Wranglers and Gladiators, but uh, uh, the plan would be to maybe do some of these uh, fancy Dodge trucks that they're building just up the road here in Detroit. That's right. Going on, I mean, as you can tell, and uh, a lot of enthusiasm. I kind of get wound up on it sometimes, but uh, you know, it's it's hard not to do. Well, that's what we want from from real jeepers. Putting on a real jeep event. I mean, this is exciting. This is why we get wound up, and thank God, people like you are putting it on, rather than a bunch of suit and coat guys that are just trying to get, make some money. This is a real jeep event. Yeah, we, uh, you know, one of the things that, you know, and, and I realize that, you know, there, there's a big cost involved in doing something like this. So, you know, my, my, you know, hats off to all of the vendors and the sponsors that participate. And uh, we, we have been blessed with sponsors. Uh, again, you know, uh, Dana Corporation, I, 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 if you're doing a Jeep event, I really can't think of a better you know, more, you know, four wheel and, and a rugged oriented company than that. The fact that they're here in Toledo probably, you know, helps sway them a little bit, but uh, they've been a great partner and uh, ProMedica, uh, they, they have their headquarters right downtown directly across the street from uh, where our, our uh, uh, you know, event is held and they are a gracious host. There's a, a, a big park that they open up to give us access to, um, and, and all of the partners that we have. And, and again, you know, uh, Tracy saw this firsthand when she was here. Uh, it, it's a, it's an all hands on kind of an event. And, you know, and wh again, while it's focused on Jeepers, it's, it, it really brings out, we try to put our best foot forward for Toledo and, uh, and the Jeep community is, uh, is a great, uh, uh, you know, representative, uh, I think of, of the community down here. You know, we get a lot of volunteers, you know, between when you think about the long history, uh, with, with, again, you know, going back with, with Jeep, Willie's, Dana, Spicer, uh, we have just a lot of family connections between the, you know, the unions, just the unions alone, they've probably got a retiree regime in the area of uh, probably, you know, in the area of six to 8,000, you know, active retirees, people that are still doing things in addition to the workforce there. And it's not, un it's not common, uh, uncommon when, you know, you meet somebody in the neighborhood and you, you're driving a Jeep. Well, oh, my uncle worked at Jeep or my <laughs> uncle pulled axles. And, yeah, I'll tell you, I mean, occasionally you'll meet somebody that they either didn't have a relative that worked there, but it's, 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 the, it's the rarity. It's, it's the exception. It's not the rule. And that you would know. be Toledo. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, Toledo, and, and really, you know, it's the it, where we're located. You know, we're right on the the Toledo border is on the Michigan line. So about twenty percent when I when I was plant manager there at the plant, about twenty percent of my workforce came from the uh, the southeast Michigan area. So yeah, it's a, it's a great area, and again, it's it's really interesting. You know, I we did some. I haven't checked it the last uh, last year because you know, a lot of things we did do the last year, but. 
I think in uh, in eighteen we did a a, a a check of motor vehicle registrations in in the uh, in the in the Northwest Ohio Southeast Michigan area. About twenty percent of vehicle registrations were Jeeps. Oh. That's a, that was we were surprised. That's that's so, really awesome. <laughs> and then hopefully, well, you'll you'll get uh, a lot more than twenty percent of the people there with Jeeps for the. For the Toledo Jeep Fest. I know that it's going to be a, a great thing, and I appreciate you coming along. And, of course, Tracy, for turning us on to this and getting you on here. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully one of us or all of us will be out there. You're all welcome. And, uh, you know, when, when, if you get here, you, you know you're coming. Uh, look us up, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll roll out the red carpet for you. I'll definitely be there again. It was great event when I went a couple years ago. Um, absolutely loved it. In fact, Tracy and I had a couple drinks at the bar that night. But yeah, it's it's a phenomenal event. Um, I'm I'm really hoping that this time next year um, I'm going to bring Phil Tony's Pro Dog to your event because I'm putting it back together. Good. He was one of the guys who was on our Moab trip when I was out there, and uh, that was a shocker. Hate to see that guy go. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, yeah, yeah, you're welcome anytime, man. Stop by and uh, say hello. Oh yeah, well, it's 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 a two hour drive from here. You know, I think it took two hours and fifteen minutes last time. So yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. Um, I think the uh, YJL will be in pieces getting ready for SEMA. Otherwise, I'd bring that this year, but um, it's got to go to SEMA. So I'll bring something. Okay, well, yeah, let me know if you've got something that you want to put on display in the Seagate Center. We always got room for one more. <laughs> that sounds great. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for com coming on, Jerry. It has been great. And we'll be talking to you. All right. Thank you very much. Have Thanks, a good Jerry. day. Hope to see you yep. soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. And that brings us back to the Gun Jeep and Show. Yes. That brings us back to the Gun Jeep and Show. Um, that was we, great. <laughs> we do have an update on the All for Fun event here in Colorado. They haven't updated their Facebook page, but I did notice on their um, website that that is going through here in Leadville, Colorado from July 31st through August 7th. Registration is open through the end of this month. So if you guys want to come to Colorado and do some wheeling, check out mhjc.clubexpress.com. Yep. Click on the uh, All for Fun tab and it will tell you how you can register. Um, this will be their highest elevation event that uh, they rotate through. So if you can't handle 10,000 feet in elevation consistently, this is probably not the All for Fun for you. Maybe wait till next year when they're a little bit lower in elevation. But uh, All for Fun's going on. Next event that will be after that that they're taking registrations for right now. And we had hoped to have George Schultz on with us, but he's kind of tied up doing some other stuff. Is the Red Rock Four Wheelers Labor Day camp out in Moab? That'll be over Labor Day weekend. So, so that's beginning of September then? That is correct. I believe the dates are like the 3rd of September through the 6th of September, something like that. And that's another thing for everybody out there. If you want us to push your event and let people know, let us know. Now we, we can say, hey, What's a, what's a Jeep club is going to have a cool event on whatever time, and maybe you can go to it. And maybe we can, too. So that'd be kind of, kind of neat. So, yeah, contact us anytime. Absolutely. 
Hey, Rick, didn't you just get off the road like yesterday? Weren't, weren't, weren't you up in uh, Jerry's neck of the woods doing something fun and exciting? I was. I was in Detroit. Detroit, Michigan. And as you know, that's the home of Stellantis or Stellantis. In fact, uh, I was invited to go drive the new Jeep Grand Cherokee L. What in the world is that, you may ask? Well, as you know, the Grand Cherokee has had about five. This is the fifth iteration. And this one now has a third row seat. Three three rows. Uh, the last third, so. Oh, yes. The last three row big Jeep was the Commander in 2007 or something. <coughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a scout anyway. But it didn't go over that well. So uh, people like Jim Morrison at Jeep said, well, we're not going to do another one until we can do it right. And sure enough, I got a chance to go drive this on-road, off-road, and see the plant that it's built in. And we'll have video of that later. And I can't give you driving impressions yes, yet, but I can say I did really enjoy the entire vehicle. And say okay, how so the drive. So Jim said they weren't going to do it again until they could do it right. So in your oh, yeah, opinion, they did, did they do it right? They did it right. Okay. In fact, they had two six foot four people get in the thing and sit in the back row, and it, it worked. I mean, I got got in there in the second row too, and and the way that you make it is, of course, it came up with the new architecture for the new Grand Cherokee, and then this one being three row is the Grand Cherokee L. So it's 15 inches longer than the than the two-row, which is not out yet. That'll be uh, a few more months away. So we'll, we'll tell you more about that. But but I can say it's completely new. It, of course, it looks Jeep-like. It, it has a trapezoidal wheel arches. It has the somewhat seven-slot grill. It has all the little design cues of being a Jeep. But most importantly, and why they waited so long to do it, because everybody else has a three-row, right? It'll actually four-wheel. I mean, it has three different transfer case set, uh, options. It has uh, two different suspensions options, regular steel or the uh, air, air ride, of course. And your options for engines are the 3.6 Pentastar or the 5.7 Hemi. And what's really interesting is that they have a front axle disconnect so that when you don't need four-wheel drive, you don't have it. Yeah, we know some other vehicles have, but this is a little bit different in a, in a full-size SUV. Um, the front axle is married to the engine, and that helps in noise vehicle harmonics. And all this little detail, that could go on and on and on. In fact, I got a book that just has about everything in it. That, oh, 110 different safety items. It has hands-on driving. They didn't want to call it hands-off driving because you I know think I think you might be uh, starting to talk about driving impressions. So I think we're going to cut you off at that. Oh, one. you're right, 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 right. Yeah, <laughs> I could go on and on and on and on. But wait for the video. It's really cool. We got some guest speakers and you know fun stuff. But uh, before I go, also I got to go see the factory that's built the new uh, Grand Cherokee L. This, was, this factory started in 1919. It was the Mack plant. had nothing to do with Mack trucks. It's on Mack Road. But it was cool because Chrysler, Stellantis, whoever they are now, decided to go full-on Detroit and hire Detroit people in Detroit. It's the first factory in 30 years 
in the Detroit area, first new factory. So that was really cool too. So there's my cheap news and notes. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, cut me off now. I'm going to keep talking about it. Get in mm-hmm. trouble driving impressions. Well, I think we're going to um, transition into trailside because I'm, I'm smelling smoke again out here, Rick. It had gone away and now it's back. And Yep. Well, you live in one of the highest fire danger areas in the world, the mountains of Colorado. I mean, well, it's not, it's not California, but yeah, it, it's a high fire danger area for where I'm at. And we just happened to have a fire not quite two miles from my house. So uh, just kind of been on the edge about that a little bit. And I, w- I want to bring up off-roading, wheeling, overlanding during times of high fire danger. And as a retired wildland firefighter, the this is something that I'm... I'm very passionate about. And one of the things that when, you know, we were taking folks out back in the day during high fire danger, I do not do in and out trails ever. They may be the most fun there. It, I mean, my favorite trail in Colorado is Wheeler Lake. It's an in and out trail this year, as dry as it is, unless we get some moisture, I'm not going to go do it. Why, you may ask. I want an exit route. The air here has been so dry that it almost crackles when you walk through it. I mean, our humidity values right now are 1% dew point in the minus 30s. I mean, it can't get much drier than it is. It doesn't take much to get a fire going. I always look at loop trails or or trails that connect to another trail system. So I've got an exit route. The last thing you want to do is get on an in and out trail. You got some Yahoo that has come in down below you and did something, started a fire. Eight times out of 10, that fire is going to run uphill. And where are you? You're at the top of the trail. Yeah, that's not good. You don't, you don't have a way to get out of there. Now, Wheeler Lake. Yeah, there's a lake at the top. Yeah, it's above tree line. But not only is that fire going uphill, the fire may stop, but the smoke's still going to be there. So you're still in danger. And by putting yourself in that kind of danger, those that are going to try to come in to rescue you are also going to be put in danger. Think ahead. Look at loop trails. Make sure you've got exit routes should something happen. Um, The other thing, if you're pulling off the trail to let somebody else go by, watch where you're pulling over. If there's tall grasses, ju- just kind of keep going as you need to until you can find a safe spot. Because it doesn't take more than a hot catalytic converter or hot exhaust to start a fire. I mean, I've, I've been up fishing and pulled off. And there, there was that one little stem of grass that was long enough to, to hit the exhaust. And there's smoke rolling out from underneath the truck. So, your own truck. My own truck, yeah. <laughs> you were a firefighter. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, look at those things. Make sure you check whether or not there are fire restrictions in the area that you're going to. Most fire restrictions mean no campfires, no charcoal grills. So, you know, plan accordingly. Check into that. Try to keep 
your family and everybody else protected. Uh, and last but not least, I'm going to close with, if you are out wheeling, you come upon a smoldering unattended campfire, don't just drive by it. Keep a shovel in your Jeep and help to put it out because it only takes a breath of wind to take that, that smoldering piece of wood, fan it into a flame, another breath of wind to take a spark and things go crazy. So I will step off my soapbox now. Well, you make a valid point. I mean, remember the life you save may be your own. Uh, I went out uh, to do some target hunt shooting just the other day and sure enough, all the signs were out from BLM said uh, high fire danger, no campfires, no shooting, no no nothing. And for good reason, even though I'm in the desert as opposed to the spruce and the pines like you, it's that one little wisp of, of tall grass. It catches fire because you accidentally hit some other target or something and poof, and you're dead, everybody else is dead. And that's not a good scenario for cheaping. Well, in April... Two months ago, I mean, April is normally still pretty much winter where I live, but it, this has been a very, very dry year. Not even a half mile from the house, we've got a shooting range and had a fire up there right off the edge of the shooting range. So, you know, just just please, the, the life you save could be your own. Absolutely. All right. So moving on. Moving on, how about a little Willie's versus Wrangler? So we can do that. What do you think, Liam? Yeah, I think we could uh, could chat for a little bit. Okay, so here, here, here it is. What's your best tire size for a daily driver and trail rig? Now, wow. I mean, look behind Greg. He's running 40s on that white thing. <laughs> what, what's what's on your commando behind you? Uh, in this picture here, those are 29s. So my my Ooh. YJ runs 31s. And what I think is fun about that is parking in the parking lot at work, it looks like a monster truck, which is just hilarious because they're 31s. 31s are not big anymore. Um, I think for... You know, because I, I do daily drive my YJ. I do get groceries in it. I have driven it really far. I love the 31s. I love the, the height off the road. I, I still feel tall without being teetery. I can go around corners. Well, I go around corners probably faster than I should in a Jeep. And uh, and it holds it. It's a, it's a very stable on-road vehicle. And it's fairly capable off-road. I did learn that my breakover angle is great out in Moab this year but I think before I even touch my tires I'm actually looking at what it takes to get better articulation on my rear axle because that was my biggest downfall something's going on there and your departure angle kind of sucks too my departure angle angle is really really bad and that has everything to do with the rear bumper or now the lack thereof um, or frame member or number of things that broke off in Moab other things you don't do in a high fire area is throw sparks with the uh, with your rear bumper. Right, right. <laughs> well, what can you do? No, I think the 31s are really good. I would not go above a 33 on my YJ for daily driving because I think you start running into uh, diminishing returns at that point. 
Yeah, I think it. I think it depends, obviously, on the vehicle. All right. Uh, I, I I'd hate to see forties on your YJ. Not only would it look like a circus wagon, they wouldn't fit very well. Yet on a Gladiator or something like that, probably a little better. Uh, Tyler, what's your thought? Uh, if you're not willing to do a gear swap in your axles, I wouldn't go bigger than 31s. If you are willing to swap your axle gears, I think 33 1050s were by far my favorite tire ever. I, I've, I've done all but the worst trails in Moab on 33s, and now I was running 488 gears, which is a little tall, except that I had a four-cylinder. If you got a six-cylinder motor, I'd stick with like 456s, but 33-inch tires, they're not obnoxious on-road. They don't completely decimate your gas mileage, but they allow you to do a lot of trails, and I mean a lot of trails, with a little bit of body protection, rock rails, and some decent bumpers and stuff, you can do, and a good spotter, you can do very technical trails with 33s, so that would be... If you're willing to do some gear gears in your axles, which if you're going to go with lockers, you're, you're going to do that anyways, 33s, in either a 1050 or a 1250, either one. And what kind of vehicle are you talking about? One of your famous XJs? <laughs> Remember, this is a daily driver as well. We're throwing that in there. You've got to drive it 50 miles to work. Well, yeah, I'd still go with 33s. Okay, there you go. What I'm saying is that any kind of vehicle, any kind of duration, any kind of tire, it, it's a stretch one way or another, and that's why we're trying to figure out the best overall. What do you think, Tracy? I'm a fan of 35s. I, I grew up in the era where 35s were a big tire, okay? You know, but I've driven cross-country on 35s. I've had 35s on Jeeps, on my pickups, on my Suburban. I mean, I'm a fan of 35s. Yeah, 30, 35s, depending, again, on the build, would fit on either of those vehicles that, that are behind you on your screenshot, on the 7 or on the on the uh, the pickup. It's a good overall size, again, depending on ratio, engine, and everything else. Now, Greg, on the other hand, he keeps building things with 40s and 42s. What's with that? So, um Normally, my max tire size is 37s um, for my own personal preference. I don't like a tire bigger than a 37 um, on an average Jeep. However, Stellantis, FCA, Jeep, whichever, um, keeps building these different and newer, latest and greatest vehicles. Um, so my personal favorite vehicle is a TJ. I love my TJ. Uh, my personal TJ, which a lot of people know, is the Frankenbrut, which is stretched a lot. So it's 123-inch wheelbase, 37s, and one-inch lift is the perfect tire size for me in that vehicle. This thing behind me, over my shoulder, this is a brand-new Gladiator. Uh, it's a local customer. He's a really good friend of mine. And surprisingly, this brand-new Gladiator, um, you probably can't really see in the picture, but it's got some uh, Ultimate Dana 60s. And the brand new BFG 39 and a half inch cam three um, with only a three inch lift. So if you hark back to what Liam said with his YJ, 
a three inch lift on his YJ is really only going to get you that 32, 33 inch tire max tire size. Um, on a TJ, you're about the same. Um, you know, XJ three inch lift, yeah, 31 inch tire. Um, if you do some fender trimming, maybe you could squeeze it up to a 35. On this Gladiator with factory fenders, right? 100% factory fenders, 100% factory body, three inch lift fits 40s. And it's got a massive wheelbase. And when, when you set this thing down on the ground, it looks proportional. It doesn't look out of place with that big tire. Um, same with a modern, you know, JL uh, Rubicon, because they have the higher fender flares, slightly bigger wheel openings. They can fit a 37 inch tire with a two inch lift. They can fit a 40 inch tire with a three inch lift. Even though it's not my cup of tea, I think it looks gorgeous on this vehicle behind me. Now, if he were to squeak some 42s or some 44s or some Mickey Thompson 53s or whatever, then I think it would be, you know, way out of the wheelhouse again. But when this thing's sitting down on the ground and drives out of this building, it looks like you could have just bought it at the dealership. Um, so that 39 and a half inch tire doesn't look obnoxious here. And per what Liam said and Tracy and Tyler and you, um, your tire should really be what fits you and fits your build the best. Um, I competently drive across the country on a set of 37s, go wheeling and drive home. You know, other people might like a smaller tire or other people like my customer behind me might like a bigger tire. He's got great, you know, his breakover angles decent because of his such, such a large tire. So, so really do what fits your build and your vehicle the best. If you've got an XJ, do it to your budget and your build style. If you've got a YJ or a TJ or an old Willys, the tire that fits you the best, like Tracy loves a 35, she should always be running a 35. You know, so that's kind of my rule of thumb. Everybody's different and every build is different. I'm not a fan of tires bigger than 37s personally, but on these new cars, they actually look pretty good. And you notice that you called it a car. Yeah, well, it's an automobile and all <laughs> automobiles with four tires are cars to me. No, I know it's a Jeep. There's trucks. Oh, wait. So what's a Jeep truck? Oh, wait. Okay. Well, anyway. And here, I'll even show you. So this is a lot of fun. I'll run over here. I'll come right back. And if you look at a title, they're station wagons. Jeeps are station wagons. Yeah. yeah and this one's a 1980 so CJ. Nobody <laughs> even knows where the station wagon name comes from. Well, we probably do but regardless okay so here's here's the answer to the question that we all just weighed in on yeah it depends on you your vehicle and the tire i've got jeeps with 31s i got jeeps with 29s and i got 32s and i got 33s and fives sixes sevens eights nine and a half forties yeah all right so every vehicle is different the important thing is to match it to you, your vehicle, and to your gear ratio. Don't go running around putting 40s on your flat fender with 373 gears. I think Tyler knows that, right? Don't, don't be putting... <laughs> what are you don't talking over about? <laughs> it. Don't over-tire it, under-gear it, or make it not what you want. Yeah, of course, it's your cheap. Do whatever you want. You want to do something stupid, do it. Okay, that's fine. But in the long run, if you want a daily driver and trail rig, Narrow that envelope down so it's exactly what works best for you. If you have a big motor, you can get away with less gear, bigger tire, et cetera, et cetera. 
But remember the envelope, get it all in that sweet spot, and you'll probably have a good time. And yes, I go 35s, max 37, minimum 33. Except on my Jeeps that I have 31s. So Yeah, but Rick, uh, can I run 37s on my Dana 35 rear axle? I mean, I can put a V8 in it and power it, right? Sure, sure you could. Absolutely. And I want to be the shop that nails you for all the money you're going to pour into it when everything breaks. <laughs> Which is going to but be yeah. every time you put your foot on the gas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but what if I gear it? It's You gear it and it's fine, right? You betcha. You if, do it. if you're driving it to and from the mall every day, you'll probably never have a problem. Yeah, you'll be there just fine. You <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're not 16, okay? Yeah, and you better have an automatic and not a stick. <laughs> yeah, but if he's power breaking it off the off the light, <laughs> he's going to break it. Yeah, yeah. So let's just say no, okay? Don't do it. Unless you're a fan of breakage. All right. Unless you won the, uh, you know, the the lottery or something and just have money to throw away. And if that's the case, throw it my way. Oh, um, anyway. So that you're talking about shops and tools and gears and stuff like that. What's the bare nuts minimum? We're going to go into toolbox talk here. Bare nuts minimum primary tools that you should have with you at all times. Whether it be your tow rig, your daily driver, your off-road rig. And then, you know, there's always the I want to want or I wish I want to. Yeah. So Good. for me, that, that's really easy. Okay. Right? I, the number one tool you need is a hammer. Simple as that. A hammer can fix a whole bunch of stuff that a screwdriver can't. Yeah, but do you need like a little hammer or a... Ford Bronco hammer. A PSH hammer? No. A simple ball peen hammer. He ain't long. Nice size. Gives you enough heft and weight. I mean, you can beat things into submission with, with one of those. Everybody should have it. Not a claw hammer. How many nails are you going to be taking out of your fender, right? No, you need a ball peen hammer. It's a machinist hammer. That's, that's number one. Number two is a screwdriver. Regular, everyday, flathead, normal screwdriver. You can stab people. You can stab deer. You can take screws out. Everything else, you gotta have one. Angry, my trick. We're we're talking primary tools, okay? You may you may need to be surviving on the side of the road, and after that, you need either a pair of pliers, and or an adjustable wrench, a, a crescent wrench to to be specific. But, yeah, an adjustable wrench because it can take the place of so many things. Now, those are three tools you put on your center console, and you're not bad. Those are your primary tools. Now, if you want to get really fancy, of course, you have a complete set of open-end box wrenches. You have a Phillips screwdriver, too. That's pretty important. Anything new, yeah, you might need Torx. But in my mind, that's your secondary tools. Figure out your primary tools. doesn't have to be a lot. They're... From there, you, you uh, add what you need. Now, secondary tools are things like a hacksaw. How many times are you going to need a hacksaw? Really? Okay, I've needed it a lot. However, it's not a general automotive tool, but a hacksaw is handy. Now, the worst part is tertiary tools. These are specialty things like a pitman arm puller. Some people carry a pitman arm, arm puller. 
puller, and I do too if I'm going on a rescue mission. I'll do an old Jeep rear hub puller if I'm going on a rescue mission. But I surely don't do that for a daily driver or like trail use. So think about your tools so that you don't carry too much weight. I've had people with rollout type drawers and everything else, and that's a thousand pounds of tools, and they may be able to fix everything, but they can't get anywhere because they're carrying too many tools, which is really a hard thing to say. Can you really have too many tools, Greg? Yes, you can have too many tools. Um, <laughs> I've seen people bring literally, just like you said, rollouts. Um, and sorry, it's raining, so I might have some weird background noise, but um, I've seen people literally just buy sets of tools and bring them all, even though 50% of them are not applicable to their vehicle or most of the vehicles on the trail. So you can have too many tools. Best thing I always recommend is if you work on your own vehicle, the tools that you grab the most, that's what you should pack if you right. think you're going to do a lot of repairs. Um, okay. Other than that, yes, keep simple tools. Top five tools that you're going to take. Five. Pick them right now. That's all you get. Ball-peen hammer. Uh, Phillips head. Flathead. Pry bar. And a slightly bigger hammer. <laughs> bigger hammer. <laughs> well, so, and, and this, there's actually a reason. So if you take two hammers, let's say you have to take a knuckle apart or you have to take, yep, put one on either side bash them together like, you know, and you will drop things without needing a pickle fork. Um, just like you said earlier, a hammer is an invaluable tool. I've used them go. to move fenders away from tires. I've used them for take glass out of a car. You can use them for so many things. Yeah. So yeah, hammer. All right, Tracy. Hammer, vice <laughs> grips. Because you can do so much with vice grips. That you can't do with pliers, good call. Yeah, I mean, you've got a brake line that's leaking. <laughs> yep, okay, yep. So, vice grips. Um, crescent wrench. Leatherman. And a star wrench. Oh, oh you want to get your dark tires off. Okay, good call. All right. And, William? I mean, that's, that star wrench can come in handy for other things if needed. So. Oh, yeah, you can fling it and hit that deer on the side of the road and eat it and get home. Yeah, and I wouldn't get blood all over my screwdriver. There you go. Liam. Wow. All right. I'm going to come in. The first one, and it's obvious that I work on fuel-injected vehicles because of wire stripper slash crimper. I had, I've had one get me off the side of the road, and uh, ever since that day, I've never left home without one. As I rewired the Basically, the entire ignition system of my Jeep on the side of the highway. That was a good day because I had a wire stripper slash crimper. Yeah. Um, definitely a flathead screwdriver because you can use it as a Phillips head screwdriver if it's the right size. Uh, a tire iron because 90% of the time I'm working on my Jeep, I'm taking off the tire anyway. So I might as well make it quick and easy. Uh, I like that we said crescent wrench. And since we're running out, I'm going to have to throw the hammer in there because you're right. The hammer is fantastic. Okay. And finally, let's go with Tyler. This, this question is causing me some serious anxiety right now. <laughs> so anxiety medicine is one of your tools? No. <laughs> I, 
Only five, huh? Five. Five. Well, definitely a, a ball peen. I would go with a pair of needle nose vice grips. Uh, ooh. If you got a big enough flathead, it would double as a pry bar. Right. Um, wow. Tire iron. And I'm thinking of all the things I've broke and none of these tools would have fixed them. <laughs> Just thinking, thinking how I would get an axle shaft out of a Dana 30 with these tools that I'm mentioning. Um, you hmm. love a hammer might do it. Can I cheat and say like a socket set or it has to be a single tool? Single tool. Single tool. That'd be a crescent wrench, I guess. There you go. Although yep. I, I find them, I find them completely useless, but oh, crescent wrench. Crescent wrench is one of the best, especially if you have a little one or if you have a big one. But there's a reason they call them nut lathes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, you got to buy a good one first off. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, I got to say a tire iron, a, a, a hammer, again, my flathead. Got to go with vice grips. Not sure if I do needle nose, but that was a good point. Uh, and then probably a 10, min, 10 millimeter open end or a half inch open end <laughs> because those are the ones that you're going to lose first anyway. So, so there's my selection. I, I think we're all on the same page. Multi-purpose uh, tools using that uh, instead of a pry bar using a, a big screwdriver. So yeah, and we all picked the hammer. So there's number one. Anyway, that's my toolbox talk. Again, I could talk way too much about tools, so I'm going to cut myself off right here. Tracy, uh, I agree, and that that kind of brings us to our our closing here with all Jeep all the time. And one of the things that you know we had kind of touched on briefly during our our Moab, it, it's and I've seen it come up on social media and discussions and stuff. And Rick's done a couple of these columns in the past as his editorial. And I think we should do it again. The Jeep Wave. The Jeep Wave. The Jeep Wave. Okay, so what is the Jeep Wave? Okay. It, we know what the Jeep Wave is, yeah, right? It, it's an acknowledgement to me. It's the acknowledgement of a brother or a sister who un should theoretically understand this seven slot, nine slot Jeep life. Okay. It, it, you know, the Harley guys do it. They, they do the, the low wave as they pass another biker, just acknowledging a brother and sister in arms, so to speak. Yep. But, I think that is it. That is it though. Yeah. But some of the, the questions I've seen recently is what Jeeps do you wave at? What Jeeps don't you wave at? Uh, do, well, one of them was phrased, do we have to wave at XJs? Well, yeah. Oh, what? oh that hits what me right in the XJ field, yeah. Oh, and was then... That, was that from a Patriot driver or what? <laughs> Maybe a Liberty. Uh-huh. Renegade. Yeah. Oh, wait. Um, All right, what else? 
uh, are, are gladiator trucks actually Jeeps? Do we have to wave at those? And then which gladiator? The one behind you or the new ones? The one behind uh, Greg? Both. Okay. Yeah, but, but most of the new Jeep owners don't even understand that the old gladiator exists. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it, it's all, all personal preference. I mean, it, if it were up to me, I would say that there, there should be a class as you're signing your paperwork to get your first Jeep. You should have to go through a Jeep wave class. I mean, these are all Jeeps. You wave at these. And, and that takes me back to Toledo. They understand it because everybody gets a wave. It, it doesn't matter if you're driving a Renegade, a Patriot, a Compass for crime. Yeah. Everybody gets a wave because they get it. They get it. If a Compass owner waves at you, that means they get it. Maybe someday they're going to have a vintage gladiator. I mean, how cool is that, right? It's all about teaching people things. So my thought is, yeah, you wave to them all. You don't wave to a scout. It's a wait, 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 wait. Uh oh. If you're in Moab, you've been you're in a vintage Jeep. You have been snubbed royally. By all the JKJL people, and there's this cool old scout that waves at you with the windshield down and no top, and he throws both hands in the air and waves at you. Yeah, you wave back. All right, here's the scouts. Absolutely, <laughs> old scouts, really old scouts. That brings me to a question. Here's a thought experiment. Well, two, two thought experiments. And the first one is probably the closest I ever came to waving at something that is very much not a Jeep. I'm on my way to work. It is cold and rainy. I think it must have been fall or something like that. And I'm in my Jeep and I'm wearing a winter coat because that's what you do. You're basically outside. And as I'm going, a Mazda Miata passes me. And the rear window on the soft top was blown out and the driver was wearing a full winter coat, you know, like Michelin man deal. And they're just, they're just going for it. And they're, they're holding this thing on the road as long as they can. And that was the closest I ever came to waving at a non-jeeper. Cause I, I'm going, I go, you know, it's a different car, but they get it. Their they mindset it. and my mindset is one yeah. and the same. Um, yep. The thought experiment is this. You have a Prius, the Prius you use to save money so you can buy Jeep parts. You have a sticker that says my other car is a Jeep. Can I wave to you? I say yes. <laughs> because remember, a Prius is not only saving you money for Jeep parts, it's saving us fuel for Jeepers. So we'll have enough. So there you go. True. I agree. <laughs> It's more of a mindset than just the Jeep thing. Yes, I, w I, I agree with Tracy. Wave at that scout. And Liam, wave at that Prius because he's doing us a favor. He's doing that for the Jeepness in all of us. You know what? Between the mud on the broken windshield and the smoke in the cab from the exhaust leak, you don't need to wave at XJ owners because they're not going to see you anyways. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, Let's so here's real. I'm driving my Dodge or some other car, and I'm waving at Jeeps. Hey, <laughs> Some old guy waving at him. I forget I'm not in a Jeep, but I'm seeing a cool Jeep, right? Hey, if 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 I'm towing Tater or Rick, you know, if you've got a, a Jeep on the trailer behind you or something like that, damn it, wave. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's usually a, a mid-cab mid wave because you see the trailer with the Jeep on it right when your cabs are passing to you. And you see the other guy do the that, same that, thing. That's when you wave out the back window. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, it's, it's because we're all part of that club. We get it, right? But and, you know, you know the the newer generations they they don't get it, but they need to get it. Like I said, there right. needs to be some kind of pledge, you know, some kind of class when they're signing on for ownership of that Jeep. Wouldn't that be nice? I think it actually falls. I think it falls to all of us other Jeepers to wave at them. Once they see, what did that guy wave at me for? And they go, oh, was that a Jeep he was driving? Or her, or whatever. My favorite's when you're driving down the road and you see the Jeeps coming, and instead of waving, they put the sticker of the wave on their mirror. Have you seen oh. that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Talk about lazy. You're not talking <laughs> about my mirror, are you? <laughs> Mine's the cool one, though. It's got the, the two fingers on the steering wheel. It's to remind okay. other people. That, that makes it a lot cooler. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's one it's finger, two fingers, three, whatever, or both hands. Most newbies are both hands. Hey, you're cool. Old parts are like, hey. Until they so, experience death wobble, and then they never remove their knuckles right, again. Right, right, yeah. So, yeah, there is a hierarchy. And once you get into it, you'll figure it out. But most finish jeeps, we can get away with it. Yeah. I had a side-by-side wave at me on a trail, and uh, the first one, he waved like this, and then the next one waved like this, and the next one like this, and the last guy was like, power, man, and I'm like, I was so confused. I'm like, what is the wave here? It took me like three or four groups of side-by-sides to figure out they were telling me how many people in their party. Yeah, now you know. Was, yeah. Yeah, power, dude. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. I, I think that wraps it up for our double-digit episode number 10 of the Ganjeepin Show. All right. I agree. And I think uh, we had have, have a good guest, had good times. we got to do this more often. Oh, wait. We do. We do. We try to do it about every, every two weeks, um, travel schedule permitting, now that we're getting into some warmer weather and whatnot. Things may not be quite on track every two weeks, but we'll do the best we can. Again, if you guys have an event, drop us an email, drop a comment on social media or on YouTube or whatever. Let us know about your event, when it is, all the fun details, where it's at. And if you've got some photos that you can send to us via email at contact at gone-gpn.com. We'll run them up on our social media pages and uh, get you some, hopefully get you some more stuff. And uh, one other thing, I, I have been privileged enough to have a sneak peek at the official Jeep Thang video, music video. Ooh. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And cool. Jeremy Rogue, you be prepared, guys, because it's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, I believe it debuts on July 2nd. So. Cool. We'll have it on our YouTube. It, as long as we can get the permissions to do it, but I think that that should happen. I, I'm officially Jeremy Rose Jeep Mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, Jeep Mom. Thank you. <laughs> that's great. All right. Well, I guess that's it for us then. I thanks, think so. uh, thank you, everybody. Greg, Liam, Tyler, thanks for joining us. And I'm your host, Rick Payway. And I'm your co host, Tra Tracy Clark. And we will see you next time. That's right. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Jeepit.com. Bye, everybody. On the next episode of The Ganjeepin Show, We'll have lockers before light bars where we will answer some of our fans' questions. Willie's versus Wrangler. Rick Payway faces off against the new guys, old school versus modern technology. And Trailside, where we will discuss some of our favorite trails and trips we'd like to take. Thanks for joining us on the Gone Jeepin' Show. We'll see you at the next episode. We're all Jeep all the time. <laughs>